0: This gone rough day, this gone rough day, this gone
1: rough day, day died. Woo Woo. Yeah, buddy. All right. Yeah, buddy. He yells quiet. As the gimp screams, no, Mr. Rob
0: Fortune. (laughs) Yes, it's me. He can last for days and days inside the everlasting gaze. It's Jomo.
1: Is that everlasting gaze or everlasting gaze? I left it deliberately uh, ambiguous. (laughs) He's like, I went soft on the palate, so you can't recognize. You choose. (laughs) I like that. How are you doing, bud? Great. I'm doing great. Fuck yeah. I mean, these, we were talking earlier, allergies are killing. Uh, mm. Thank you, God, for making me allergic to tree cum. Appreciate it. Mm. Um, mm. You know, but on a scale to 0 to 10, he's definitely a 0, Mr. Jack Falcon.
2: God, this thing is so hard to open. What? Yo, wow. this is the most elaborate beer can I've ever seen. God damn. This thing is like, dude, have you ever heard of Sapporo.
1: Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's Japanese is, beer. Yeah. Oh, is it? It's it's a tall it's in a tall, like steelish beer. Yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah, it is, yeah.
1: Yo, Sapporo beers, good beer. And it takes
2: ninety thousand pounds of torque to fucking open this thing.
1: Bro, Wow. It, it's it's because you're a bitch. It is what it is. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. No, this this can is ridiculous. Wow.
1: It's a tall boy can. Let's see,
2: how's it taste? Tastes like shit. Okay. What are you talking thicker.
1: about? That's a good <laughs> I joke. Know. First of all, let's get something out of the way. What's up? Everything Japanese is better than American, Mm -hmm. except for their guns. Mm -hmm. Their guns are shit. Um, Mm -hmm. But if you look at it, cars, they're just more efficient, right? Yeah. Like, you're not going to beat a Toyota or Honda. uh, It's going to last you 40 years, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Customer service. If you ever get a chance, go to Japan just for a week the best customer <laughs> Just service. Just to try out the
2: customer service. Yo, the customer mm-hmm. service
1: is legit. Bro, there's such an honorable society. Like, mm-hmm. if the train is late, the train is late by a minute, they refund you, motherfucker. Like, that's that's Japan, bro. Like, it's straight up, like, like the most respected society, most honorable society. And I think they got honorable after we dropped two huge bombs. That's, they, they're like, "Oh, oh we fucked up." No, no, no. no you got to beat that. Uh, I will, that. I'm. I'm not beating anything. We're getting canceled. No, no, dude. I fucking love, uh, love Japanese culture, man. It's beautiful, mm-hmm. great. Um, worst country I've ever been to wasn't even Iraq. It was Romania. Fuck that place. Mm-hmm. That place is mm-hmm. a fucking shit hole. Mm. and so if you're romanian listening to us stop listening to us because we don't want you listening to us we don't
2: want
1: <laughs> you damn and shots fired shots fired all right someone talk about something else i'm terrible
2: i don't know when a beer normally says premium beer i'm like is it though i played one of the shows we played recently it was at a polish club and they had this beer i think i might have talked about it in another episode but like it was a 19 ounce beer it said premium Polish beer imported, and it was four dollars. I'm like, how how premium could this really be? But it was actually pretty good.
1: Was it Ziewicz?
2: <laughs> I think it was that, yeah. Ziewicz, yeah. I think that was the name of it. Yeah, they had two of them.
1: Z y w i e c Ziewicz, yeah, yeah. That,
2: that's so one of the guys, one of the guys in the band doesn't drink. Uh, he has like, you know, he doesn't. He has like celiacs or whatever, so oh, he only shit. drinks he only drinks like uh, ciders and stuff. So he got an angry orchard, which is like the shittiest of all ciders, but that's all they had there. And the guy, he's like, Oh, do you want to make it something else? Like an apple pie? I can't remember what he called it. It's normally called an angry orchard. That's when they take a shot of, um, uh, what's the, uh, cinnamon, uh fireball. fireball. Oh. They, yeah, take a shot of fireball and they put it in the beer and they mix it together. And uh so he's like, Yeah, sure, I'll take that. So it was seven bucks, right? And it was a it was a uh angry orchard, and the guy straight up filled like an entire like 12-ounce. He put like a he took like a uh cup, put ice in it, and like filled the thing to the top with God, uh, fucking what do you call it? Uh fireball. with fireball. And dude, he was like drunk just off that. I was like, dude, that anywhere that would have cost you like Twenty bucks, and it was seven bucks there. So, wow, yeah, but you got to be Polish to to go there, and I'm not Polish, so I have to go with somebody else.
1: Is it, is it like, like, how are those
2: races, like legit racist clubs still around there's one in Westfield that's a uh, an Irish one you have to be Irish you have to like submit forms and shit to be able to become like a member of the club you gotta
1: put blood mm. on a stone
2: <laughs> yeah yeah it, pretty much yeah. If,
1: it, if it boils that means you're Jewish get out no.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah they like go through like your whole life history and then they'll say yay or nay if you can be a part of the club god damn wow. that's... like that's just legit racism
1: like I don't mm. I don't want to even go to a place like that if, 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 if you're like excluding yeah. people like cause the best times (laughs) I've ever had I'm I'm not gonna lie I love hanging out with uh, in the inner city man cause I love like the comedy and all that shit and fucking oh it's hilarious right but if you're gonna go to like the Polish home. You can't come here unless you're Polish. It's just like, Jesus. I, is this... Do I have to wear a Nazi band or something on my arm? Like, what's going on?
2: <laughs> you, you could probably go... There. I don't know how strict they are, but I know, like, when my mom was, like, going... Uh, getting a membership to one of the Irish ones, she had to submit, like, a bunch of paperwork. You have to, like, prove your ethnicity Dude, to geez. go there.
1: Is your dad Italian?
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, one, ha- one half of my family is, like, completely Italian from, like, Italy, and the other half of my family is, like, completely Irish from Ireland.
1: Yeah. I mean... Yeah. I, this, is, this is what bothers me is like we're all pretty much mixed, bro. Like,
2: yeah, uh, yeah. I think of well, yeah, unless you go to like Italy if, in the United States, a lot of stuff is mixed, yeah,
1: yeah, because I'm Hispanic and half retarded, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is what it is. But hey, speaking of retards, let's talk about Billy Corgan. No, I'm joking, I'm okay. joking.
2: <laughs> so, there, yeah, I there are some specific times of this week I kept thinking about Jumbo, like, oh, this is going to be pissing him off. Uh, so I'll be bringing them up and I don't think it was the entire thing. I think Jumbo going to see some good in this band.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. For sure.
2: Are we ready to start?
1: Let's go. Yeah.
2: Okay. So we're going to cover four albums today. We're going to talk about Siamese Dream. We're going to talk about, uh, what else we got here? Uh, Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness, which is their first double disc album. We're going to talk about Adore. Uh, and then we're going to talk about Autumn, which is their newest currently going on album it's in three parts it's apparently what they call it a rock opera uh Mm -hmm. and it's it's being released in three parts the third part actually comes out on friday uh may 5th so it's not out yet but the first two parts are out so you can go check those out um and then there's a bunch in between that i'll talk about at the end anyway you ready yes okay so some of these are kind of long the the intro's here because uh there's, I know, there's a bunch to say about them. Also, all this information comes from Wikipedia and the Grammy website, so if it's wrong there, it's wrong here. Okay, Siamese Dream is a 13-track record, released in 1993, coming in just over 62 minutes long. It's the band's second studio album, reaching number 10 on the U.S. Billboard 200 charts, and contains the singles Cherub Rock, Today, Disarm, and Rocket. The band's debut album, Gish, was released on Caroline... Records in 1991 to unexpected su- success and acclaim. After the release of Nirvana's Nevermind later that year, the Smashing Pumpkins were hyped as the next Nirvana and began creating a follow up. The immense pressure to succeed intensified an already pro- problematic situation. Drummer Jimmy Chamberlain was addicted to heroin. Guitarist James Iha and bassist Darcy retzky had recently ended their romantic relationship, and Corgan, aside Uh, from battles with weight gain and suicidal depression was struggling with writer's block. Siamese Dream was recorded mainly between December 1992 and March 1993. The Pumpkins relocated to Georgia for the sessions so they could av- avoid local friends and distractions and cut and to cut Chamberlain off from his known drug connections. Butch Vig reprised his role as producer after working on Gish. Vig stated that Billy and I raised the bar really high. We wanted to make a very ambitious sounding record. It was all done on analog tape, so it was time consuming. We were working 12 hours a day, six days a week for about three months, and for the last two months uh we worked seven days a week 14 or 15 hours a day because we were behind schedule corgan's desire for musical perfection put further strain on the already frayed relationships between the band members vig later recalled darcy would lock herself in the bathroom james wouldn't say anything or billy would lock himself in the control room corgan often overdubbed Iha and retzky's parts with his own playing retzky stated that corgan only performed most of the guitar and bass parts because he could lay them down with far fewer takes stories of the album's recording had circulated in the music press Corgan admitted that some of the, Uh, There was some truth to accusations of his tyrannical behavior, though he felt the press misunderstood the situation. While Chamberlain performed all drum parts on the album, he would disappear for days on drug benders that caused everyone to fear for his life. After one incident where he disappeared for two or three days, Corgan put the hammer down, according to Vig, and had Chamberlain perform the drum parts to Cherub Rock until his hands bled. Corgan told Spin later that year, you know, I gave them a year and a half to prepare for this record. I'm surrounded by these people who I care about very much, yet they continue to keep me Corgan explained that he began to take the actions of others personally he said if you really think about it of course someone doesn't do the job because they're lazy or they don't think it's important but I took it as you're not worth going home and working on the song Virgin began to grow impatient with the album's recording as it went over budget and became behind schedule uh, the band however would not let the company cut corners if it meant compromising the sound by the time recording was completed Corgan and Vig felt too emotionally exhausted to mix the record Alan Mulder booked two weeks in the studio to mix it Uh, which ended up taking 36 days to complete. Eventually, Siamese Dream was finished after four months and $250,000 over budget. At 1993's 36th Annual Grammy Awards, Cherub Rock was nominated for Best Hard Rock Performance with Vocal, but lost to whom, Jomo?
1: It smells like Teen Spirit by Nirvana.
2: It lost to uh, Stone Temple Pilots with Plush, and Siamese Dream was nominated for Best Alternative Music Album, but lost to U2, with Zuropa, I you pronounce that. I don't know. I'll never listen to it. Uh, Siamese Dream" has been certified four times platinum. Rob, what do you think of this album?
0: So I I went into this week thinking that this was like a very very overrated band. Like I was in I was in bands with uh, guys that worshipped these guys, thought that they were the best like musicians to ever like walk the earth, or like saw Billy Corgan that way specifically. Now I had beef uh, with Corgan because I had beef with them. I'm like you know. These guys, uh, you know, don't treat me as an equal. And so like, uh, and like the Corgan supposedly didn't treat his bandmates like equals. So I really had beef with these guys, but I wanted to give these guys a fresh listen, uh, in 2023. And I like these guys quite a bit more than I thought I did. You know, so I listened, uh, I, the Siamese Dream was an album that I owned and it was my favorite at the time. Uh, I thought that Corgan's voice was the least whiny, uh, Uh, like, or less whiny than it is on other albums. So, like, the voice uh, bothered me less, and then just uh, the music was good, and, um, yeah, I I do think his voice, like, sounds, like, better than some of the other albums on this. Uh, Yeah, I, I do think his voice sounds good here. And then... So I'm kind of torn on like the guitar like re- recording. Like I think in ways the gu- the guitar sounds really fucking good on this album. Like specifically the, like the lead lines and stuff. I think on some of the other albums it's like uh, the guitars are fighting with themselves. Like some of the guitars are too fucking quiet, as if uh, as if Corgan doesn't want anyone but himself to be heard. I might be fucking projecting there, but. Mm. I think on Siamese Dream, you like, uh, the lead lines are fucking loud. They're in your face. They punch me in the face exactly how I want to be treated by my music. Uh, so it's like Cherub Rock, the fucking uh, lead lines, fucking 10 out of 10. Uh, so, yeah, like, this album, like, rocks, but it's also kind of sleepy, which, like, I love and I hate. I uh, I, I feel like, well, I, th- I think at this point they're, uh, you know, just getting started and kind of broke, They you know, so they can afford better uh, recording quality in future albums i think they're really knock it out the, out of the park on future albums i think on this one they're still kind of getting started but yeah the the hits on this album are are big fucking hits and they're good my favorite song on the album uh that isn't a hit is probably silver fuck which is a song about how billy corgan wants to fuck silverback gorillas it's uh th- there's uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh yeah so the, the, it's, uh, that's that's joke don't take that seriously come
2: on Jomo. I don't think it's stupid, <laughs> Have you ever man. tried to fuck a silverback gorilla? Let's be real.
1: I mean, if it had a thick, a thick with two
2: seeds. <laughs> anyway, you'd, a- you'd at least make an attempt, yeah.
0: Yeah, you know what's wrong. Yeah. So yeah, Silverfuck. Okay, so that song is super fucking long. It does something that you that was done in the '90s and hasn't been done since. And it's it's the reason they don't do it anymore is it doesn't make sense with how like music is now. And like I hear this and I fucking miss it. And I'm so fucking glad I got to see this again but it's like there's this long like like they bring the dynamic down and they like they they do they're doing this bass breakdown thing and it goes on for fucking ever the song is almost 9 minutes long and you got this like long like uh bass breakdown and this was so important in like live music you, you really only saw it live because like you know at a certain point you're getting like uh, tired or like you know you're, you're getting distracted somehow and so bringing down the dynamic and then like uh, playing something for too fucking long that can like totally like restore you and so like this this, this, brace, this bass breakdown that goes on for too long I'm like oh my fucking god I remember like being at live shows where this just changed the fucking energy of the whole fucking uh stadium or whatever you know it, it's changed changes the whole fucking atmosphere uh you don't really see that in uh like you know like modern pop music that's all recorded it's like you, you got your three minutes to do a single and if if you lose a uh, focus they're just gonna press skip to go to the next one you know This is all this is something that only happened in in a long fucking live show. And like I get these glimpses of uh, this band really happened in a different time. And um, I don't know, I I got some nostalgia for old times here, like back. uh, So I really fucking like this album. I'm going to call it third for the week. uh, And that's it.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of classic things going on here. I was going to talk about Silverfuck because as I see that title, it sticks out. Because when I see a title like that, I'm like, okay, some young Jomo Edge Lord is naming this song. <laughs> uh, it's almost nine minutes long, uh, so I love the bass in it. And so uh, Rob has already talked about this, but like the bass is nothing fancy, but it sounds great and it like sets the mood and tone and everything for uh, for the song. It is the longest song on the record, uh, and it is awesome. I would one that I would love to see live. So this album is definitely banger status. Uh, There's lots of classic songs in here. Cherub Rock, we've all heard it a billion times. It's a great song. Um, Even though I don't listen to the Smashing Pumpkins that often, it's been quite a while, I've always remembered Cherub Rock, probably because it's like the first song on this record, so it hits you right away. But I do have friends who are huge Smashing Pumpkins fans, and people still constantly talk about the fucking guitar tone on this album. Uh, I hear people always citing it, like uh, guitar tone on Siamese Dream all the time. Uh, I do think it's good. It's not my, my not my favorite ever, but I do think it's good. Um, there's a lot of ideas going on in this album, but there is like a f- song formula that these guys use that I'm not completely in love with. Uh, it's not my favorite of their records, but. It's legendary to a lot of people. I remember one of the guys when I was in uh, elementary school, he was always listening to uh, the one after this, uh, Melancholy, but he, would be, he was just huge in this band. He absolutely loved these guys. The artwork of this album is classic too. I, that's one thing that I remember seeing this uh, a long time ago, and I never forgot about it. Billy Corgan says that these two were conjoined at the time. I don't know if that's true. Uh, he has m- met them since, I believe, in like 2008. He tracked them down. And at one point, uh, one of the bass players for this band said that she was one of the girls from the picture, which it's the weirdest thing to lie about. Like that's psychotic kind of shit. Cause they're just going to find out, you know what I mean? So it's like, why would you lie about something that someone could just find these people? It is possible. I don't know. Anyway, that's a weird thing. Like that's psychotic behavior. But anyway, this, uh, this album, like the singles job rock huge today, we've all heard it a fucking million times. Uh, Not my favorite by the band, but it's good. I I think the layers work really well together in that song. Uh, If you listen closely to Rocket, which I didn't realize uh, was a single... like there it sounds like a different version of today. There's a bunch of, of the same elements going on and I can constantly hear uh, Today in rocket. I'm, I, I wouldn't be surprised if someone has mashed them up and then disarm might be actually like the, the biggest song in this album I wouldn't be surprised. I also wouldn't be surprised if a lot of people don't know the name of it I didn't know the name of disarm forever It's actually like the first song the first line in the song disarm you with a smile Um, but I don't know if everyone would know that that's the chorus or excuse me the name of the song And anyway, uh, I award that song eternal banger status personally And there's bells used in that song, which I think is a really cool addition They could have used any instrument Um, and they use that and it sounds great. It sticks out. It's I know that those bells everyone knows what i'm talking about And uh, they so they did a good job of picking that because I know that that sticks with people There's also strings in that song which sound great and yeah, it's one of my favorites by the band. It's it's a huge fucking eternal banger status song. Everyone knows it. It's legendary. Joe, what do you think of this album?
1: Bro, so, you know, this actually wasn't the first uh, Smashing Pumpkins album that I got into. But my first critique is this album opens up like a Red Hot Chili Peppers album. Like it kind of opened up and then it disappoints like a mediocre blowjob. <laughs> like- <laughs> It's like welcome to the dis. Disapp- it's not welcome to the disappointment album. Okay, this is as bad as say anger. Say anger was literally like <laughs> Auschwitz tra- tragedy like worthy. Yeah. Um. This is just like you know. Hey. Uh. Like someone got massacred. No big deal. All right. We move on. Um. I would say though this had so many good bangers that you talked about earlier. Like um. You talk about this armchair rock today. Uh. I thought Luna was a great song, but this album is like the soundtrack to when you're getting murdered while you're playing outlast. Uh, if I don't know if you ever played outlast is fucking, it's a cringy, cringy fucking, uh, game. And I, this album has a lot of great hits on it, but this wasn't the opener for me. And I actually like, I would give this album seven out of 10 great album. Um, not bad, but I, I just, I don't like Corgan's voice. I, I just I can't I, I know Rob you talked about it, you said hey, you know, it's not as bad. I just don't like Corgan's voice, man. It's very off putting. It's not like, you know, Chris Cornell, or it's not like who Eddie Vedder, you know? It's it I'm not getting those feelings. I'm getting like this this dude with like who he probably has like a hogcock, but he's just like angry about life or about something. I don't know. But anyway, seven out of ten album, I would say Sammy's Dream is pretty damn good.
2: I think what's her name had sex with Billy Corgan, uh, the lady from Hole. Why do I think yeah. she had sex with him? She said he has a tiny cock, but I think that women in general just say that when they're out of a relationship anyway, so you can't really trust it.
1: Why? Why? Why do they get to say that, but we can't say, "Hey, she has a cavernous <laughs> pussy." Like,
2: I mean, yeah, you can. Nothing's stopping you. <laughs> there,
1: there's some simp out there who's like, "You can't do that, bro."
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah, probably. So there's a song in here called Hummer. And every time I hear the word Hummer, I just think of like the sex act, like humming on someone's balls. Is that what a Hummer is, Jomo?
1: No, it's on the taint, but anyway.
2: (laughs) It's not humming on the taint. Mm. Anyway, uh, I I don't know why this song needs to be seven minutes long, but I do like the singing in it. So there's a song in here called Mayonnaise. All right. Really beautiful song. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, okay, why the hell is this song called Mayonnaise? I still don't know. um, But... So I was thinking, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna Google may- the word mayonnaise, and there's gonna be some secret definition that like no one's ever heard, like one person on earth has read this in an old fucking dictionary somewhere. Uh, but no, it's not. Mayonnaise is exactly what you think it is. It's it's the condiment or whatever, and that's it. So I was looking this up, and so Billy Corgan had said on some podcast that uh, when they visited Japan in 1992 while touring for Gish, uh, he noticed that the record company mistranslated a lyric into a fan booklet as mayonnaise seas and they thought it was funny and used mayonnaise as a temporary song title when recording a siamese dream and it eventually stuck so yeah it's as stupid as you probably believe yeah it's pretty uh good. <laughs> it's pretty dumb uh geek usa has a guitar solo that's awesome uh it's one of my favorite songs on on the album oh it's also where the title this album comes from in the dream we are connected uh siamese twins and then the song in here called Soma, another one of my favorite ones. Easily could have been a single. Very Smashing Pumpkins. So Jummo, I know I knew you were going to hate his voice, especially later on. I'm like, okay, yeah, Jummo's screaming out in agony. But it's rememberable. You always know when it's Billy Corgan. Well, for the most part. There's like one song where I say, uh, you might not know this is Smashing Pumpkins. But for the most part, you know it. It sticks out, whether it's good or bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's unique. You brought up Luna that does End the Album. I think it sums it up well. And somebody commented in the song before that Sweet Sweet uh it's short that song is short to the point it's like a minute and a half and someone said it's almost impossible to listen to the song and not go to luna straight after so yeah i don't know this album is big it carries a lot of weight it's sold when i say four million when or it went four times platinum and that's just in the u.s so it sold i don't know 10 million copies in the entire world i don't know something like that uh it's a legendary album it is good it's not my favorite but um yeah these uh billy corgan He's an interesting guy. He can he can write a lot of shit. And I know he was doing most of this stuff. Apparently, he recorded the guitar and the bass uh, when they were in the studio. Uh, people have said that uh, Darcy like hasn't ever recorded it actually on any album. I don't know if that's true. Uh, so a lot of this stuff is probably kind of like lost in myth at this point. Is there anything else anyone wants to say about Siamese Dream?
0: I don't know exactly what to think about uh, Jimmy Chamberlain's uh, drumming. I think I thought that he was a fucking no talent hack uh, back in the day because his drumming on a uh, Machina is like m- m- like very few fills. It was just very like very r- repetitive. Yeah. On Siamese Dream, dream he 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 plays some pretty uh, you know complex stuff. So he's not a slouch. I think he's a little bit stiff. So yeah, I think he's good. But uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. That's all.
2: Yeah, I like him. Uh, he's he, it's uh, it's surprising he's alive. He's overdosed multiple times, and uh, if you guys know, Jomo would know because he listens to her all the time. But uh, uh, who's the lady who who makes the uh, the fest in the arms of an angel? What's that lady's name?
1: Oh, you know her? Oh yeah, the sad bitch. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, the sad bitch. Uh, Sir McLaughlin.
2: Sarah McLaughlin she has a song yeah. called whatever her name is she has Lilith Fair that's the thing that she has the one that Jumbo attends every year she wrote a song called ain't that that big hit song I believe is about the keyboard player who overdosed with uh, Jimmy Chamberlain in the hotel that night when they both overdosed he the piano player keyboard player I can't remember his name he died and Jimmy Chamberlain didn't die so he's um. overdosed multiple times uh, the dude is lucky. Yeah. Um, I'm going to assume he's not doing drugs anymore, uh, but he could be. I don't know. Uh, read a couple of YouTube comments. And we'll move on. First one says, "This is a masterpiece." All caps. Not even one filler song. Ten out of ten. I'm pressing X to doubt, but I'll give this guy benefit of the doubt. Uh, next one. Uh, what a piece of rock history. Next comment. The drumming on this album is insane. Yeah, it's
0: good. It's good. It's good. Yeah, it is good.
2: Next one says, I remember being in a relationship with my first real girlfriend at the time. <clears throat> Her brother played this record for me. I hadn't heard anything like it before, and I still haven't heard anything like it since. This is by far my favorite record of all time. I listen to all kinds of music, but this record is the masterpiece. And lastly, it puts me into a state of sheer ecstasy every single time I listen to it. So yeah, this is a big following. People like this record. Uh, yeah, it's, it's got to be one of the biggest albums of the 90s we ready to move on? Uh, Yeah. yeah. All right, I'm just dropping some artwork. Okay, Mel... Oh, did that go through? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness is a 28-track double-disc and triple-LP record released in 1995, coming in just under 122 minutes long. It's the band's third studio album, reaching number one on the U.S. Billboard 200 charts, and contains the singles, Bullet With Butterfly Wings, at 1979, Tonight Tonight, Zero, and 33. Propelled by its lead single, uh, Bullet with Butterfly Wings, Melancholy sold 250,000 copies in its first week, spawning four more singles over the course of 1996 and remains the band's only album to top the Billboard 200 charts. The CD version uh, names Disc 1, Excuse me, the CD version names Disc 1 Dawn to Dusk and Disc 2 Twilight to Starlight. However, the triple LP names Side 1 Dawn, Side 2 Tea Time, Side 3 Dusk, Side 4 Twilight, Side 5 Midnight, and Side 6 Starlight. Recording sessions saw a wealth of productivity. Dozens of fully completed songs were cut. Uh, but would surface on later releases. A box set released in November 1996 titled The Airplane Flies High compiled the promotional singles from the album and featured approximately 30 fully completed songs from the Melancholy Sessions that had not made the final cut. Both Melancholy and The Airplane Flies High" later saw reissues that included even more tracks from the sessions. After the 13th month tour in support of 1993 Siamese Dream, Corgan immediately began writing songs for the band's next record. Uh, From the outset, they intended Melancholy to be a double album, partly inspired by the Beatles' 1968 self-titled double record. Corgan said, we almost had enough material to make Siamese Dream a double album, which is uh, excuse me. With this new one, I really like the notion that we would create a wider scope in which to put other kinds of material we were writing. Corgan felt the band's musical approach was running its course and wanted them to approach it as if uh, it were their last. Corgan described it at the time to the music press as the wall for Generation X. The Pumpkins decided against working with Butch Vig this time around, who had produced their previous albums and selected Flood and Alan Mulder as co-producers. Corgan explained, to be completely honest, I think it was a situation where we'd become so close to Butch that it started to work to our disadvantage. I just felt we had to force the situation sonically and take ourselves out of normal Pumpkin's recording mode. I didn't want to repeat past Pumpkin's work. Corgan sought to eliminate the tension that permeated the Siamese dream recording sessions, about which he said, The biggest offender was the insidious amounts of time that everyone spends waiting for guitar parts to be overdubbed. There were literally weeks that no one had anything to do but sit and wait. The band countered, The band countered idleness by using two recording rooms at the same time. This tactic allowed Corgan to develop vocals and song arrangements in one room while recording occurred in the other. During these sessions, Flood and Corgan would work in one room, as Mulder, Iha, and Wetzky worked in the second. Iha and Wetzky uh, had much greater roles in the recording of the album compared to the previous. With the recording sessions concluded, the band had 57 potential songs for inclusion on Mel- Melancholy. It was originally planned to have 31 songs, but the count was later reduced to 28. At 1996's 39th annual Grammy Awards, Bullet with Butterfly Wings won Best Hard Rock Performance. In 1979, was nominated for Record of the Year, but lost to whom,
1: Oh I don't know I don't know I'm I
2: need <laughs> Lost to, Yeah I don't know how you know anyway Lost to Eric Clapton would change the world melancholy and the infinite oh, sadness was not was yeah. n- was nominated? oh do you yeah, i don't know if I know yeah it's that.
1: about his his kid who had a spill or something
2: like that. <laughs> the, no the kid who fell out the window no that's tears in heaven uh Mel- <laughs> melancholy and the infinite sadness was nominated for album of the year but lost to celine dion with falling into you uh melancholy and the infinite infinite sadness track was nominated for best pop instrumental performance but lost to bella fleck with the sinister minister i'm not gonna lie that's a pretty legit album title uh 1979 was nominated for best rock performance by a duo or group with vocal but lost to dave matthews band with so much to say Mm -hmm. Uh, melancholy and the infinite sadness album was nominated for best alternative music performance but lost to beck with odelay and uh tonight tonight was nominated for best music video short form but lost to the beatles with free as a bird uh too many people get screwed out of uh, awards because they bring old shit back and like count it with the current generation of people who are like making music which is bullshit anyway uh, melancholy and the infinite sadness has been certified diamond which means it has sold over 10 million copies in the united states Jomo, what do you think about melancholy
1: listen it's this is the album that i actually got into uh there's this girl that i was uh, trying to fuck um, mm. And I didn't. You're like I
2: love this guy's voice. Yeah, this guy's mm. awesome. Mm. Mm. Mm.
1: Um, and I ended up years later sleeping with her sister, and then that pissed her off. So, <laughs> so uh, wait, she, so wait, you
2: double gophered the whole family, or you never banged the other one? Yeah, I was
1: trying to, I was trying to bang uh, the 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 sister with the bigger tits. Um, mm-hmm. That that didn't happen. And mm-hmm. then I banged the other one, who's a little bit dumber, which is right up my alley. Um, yeah. But
2: <laughs> the, the, the silver metal, it's
1: a silver hey, yeah, metal's <laughs> a metal, my man, um,
2: it still counts.
1: But yeah, and so she got me into this album. I was like, oh, it's not bad, but I could literally only listen to I, I, I didn't get like, why would you press a double album? Right. Why would you do that? Because there's so much you can do. You could have just milked it and just two years later, put out another album or a year later, put out another album. And then toured with that, and then toured for two years, three years straight. If you wanted to take a break, and then fucking go back into studio. So uh, there's, there's obviously some cat songs in here, man. You got Zero, which is like a, a monster fucking song, man. It everyone knows it. Um, Bullet with Butterfly Wings is. Here's my problem with fucking... Because there's so many good songs about it. But let's get down to it. Billy Corgan is a fucking pretentious douchebag. And, and <laughs> yeah, I cannot yeah. fucking stand his face. I think he saved face when he went on Rogan and was talking. I was trying to open up about you know, who he is as a person. But he could have milked these fucking albums. Maybe even for three fucking albums if he wanted to. If he knew how to market the shit. Overall, I thought this album was too fucking long. And I just, his, the whiny vocals, like, everything about him is just like, bro, this this is a kid who would get fucking his ass kicked. Like, I just don't, and I'm not here for bullying, but I'm just saying he deserves it. That's all I'm going to say.
2: <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah, okay, so, yeah, I don't know why you would go for a double album especially this earlier in your career it just takes balls like when i was listening to this earlier today i was like just trying to kind of imagine the scope of even where to start when creating something like this 20 so there's 28 songs on this i'm not going to talk about all of them but even writing 28 like good songs, if someone went to Hollow Teeth right now and said, I'll give you a record contract, you have to make a double album, I might be like, I'm out. I, I don't know if I could write fucking 30 good songs. Uh, so the, the, the big question is, has there really ever been a double album that uh, like creating, leaving everything intact was better than just stripping out all the best shit and making one single disc album? I don't know. Uh, this album is heavier than Siamese Dream. It's my favorite of the week, uh, and one of the things that I want is like this heavy edge that this album actually keeps pumping out. So zero uh, eternal banger status of a song it might be my favorite Smashing Pumpkins song of all time. It has everything in it. I love it. B- but with butterfly wings, one of the most fa- has to be one of the most famous, if not the most famous song of the 90s. The world is a vampire. Everybody fucking knows it. Uh, another one of my favorite songs ever by the Smashing Pumpkins. I also award that uh, eternal banger status. Guitar solo in that song is awesome too. Someone commented on the song they said this is a masterpiece for all humanity there's a song on this album called "Fuck you an ode to no one so uh edgelord jomo is back into naming some of these songs oh, yeah, uh, one boy. of the best songs on the album i love it crime that it wasn't a single uh, and it's a crime not only that it wasn't single but a lot of people probably don't know about it so i don't know i don't have a physical copy of this but it said uh there's certain prints where this song is just called an ode to no one which doesn't surprise me because putting fuck you in the title or saying fuck you in a chorus uh is going to mean it's not as marketable as it could be with that stuff removed so uh, i'm not surprised to see that uh but this i really think fuck you could have been one of the band's like biggest hits and in some another version of this world somewhere in a parallel universe this song was a hit and was one of the biggest hits for the band and is one of the biggest hits in the 90s uh, another one that i'd love to see live and then when, when we're going through this album uh so like tales of a scorched earth uh, i also like scorched earth is like what like when you shave <laughs> you save your balls and everything instead of just like trimming up. So right. that's what I think about when I when I hear this song title. but I love that song. It's heavy and it's gross and it's awesome. So this is on disc 2. It's pretty much like all the way towards the end of the album. And it even reminds me of Marilyn Manson at points. Um, and how, uh, When I hear a song like that Tales of the Scor- Scorched Earth I wonder how lo- how often they play a song like that live uh, But if they did The crowd would fucking probably go Well I don't know if the crowd would go crazy Because I, I don't know if like, the Smashing Pumpkins crowd is like that But if that was played by a band Whose crowd goes crazy They would fucking go crazy for it uh, And then somebody commented on that, that that song They said never really been a fan of Pumpkins But I keep finding these fucking bangers Wish all their songs were this hard And it's nice to, to keep finding this Like Even the first song on disc uh, 2 where the boys fear to tread is an awesome song. A lot of people compare that to like early Black Sabbath. It's this really simple riff, but you could listen to it for like ten minutes on loop. It's almost like a sludge metal um, kind of style, uh, or at least it could be, is what I mean. Um, just like with the simplicity, of, simplicity of it. So yeah, there's a lot to see here. There's a lot to hear on this album. It, the styles are all over the place. It goes so like the second song, tonight tonight, which was a hit uh it's a classic song we all fucking know it that's the song that when i was listening to it i was like jomo has to be hating his life right now listening oh, yeah. to tonight tonight he goes full wine mode at the end of that song uh anyway i do like that song i don't think i ever really hate uh billy corgan's voice however the tonight tonight like pushes me to the limit it's like if you're going if you're going further than this i'm getting off the train bro however it goes from Tonight Tonight into Jelly Belly. And uh, that's another one that should have been a single. And it's one of the heavier songs on the album. And when I hear it, I'm like, yep, okay, I'm on board here. And somebody's comment on this uh, on Jelly Belly was like, the, the transition from Tonight Tonight to this is hilarious. And it is like, yeah, it's so. there's like so many polar opposite things going on here but i think it works there's a lot of different again there's a lot of stuff to styles and things to unpack you would have to listen to this album a ton of times to catch everything going on and you probably still wouldn't at this point and but this shows you like these guys can write in bulk this is 28 songs out of 57 songs they have three double disc albums they have one triple album and they have some years that they've put out two records in the same year so like these people can write even if it's mostly billy corgan whatever he can write whoever like they can write in fucking bulk and a lot of it is good a bunch of the stuff on here like might not be the best song ever but it's good enough to be like if you're if your goal is to have a double album i wouldn't be surprised if a lot of people say this is the best double record ever made well you're gonna have the cuck beatles fans who are never going to get away from the fucking the the beatles self-titled one but like this album it's crazy there's so much shit going on here and it's there's some of the hits on this album are some of the biggest songs of the fucking 90s uh rob what do you think of this record
0: well, this was another album that I owned back in the day, and I think at the time the only song I liked was 1979. I liked it a lot. I liked it a lot, a lot, a lot, and I wanted to learn it on guitar. But but uh, I think that was the only song I liked at the time. And then, like, you know, like now I listen to the song right after it, Tales of a Scorched Earth. Yo, when they recorded that song, they recorded it, and then they recorded 500 guitar takes, and then they were like, put a, a microphone up to the boiler in their basement and recorded that too. Like, the the. the, the fucking rec- uh, recording quality on that song is garbage like like 1979 is so crisp you can hear every guitar and then like uh tales of a scorched earth is yeah. so fucking blown out i mean yeah. I, and like m- yeah. my friends loved this shit they recorded this shit this way we're gonna be so fucking experimental when we make our guitars sound like shit i'm like good fucking <laughs> job like I, it's good for you fuck you dude anyways uh so this is my first this is my favorite of the week i uh like i remember how much I hated uh, Corgan's voice at the time uh, you know I, whatever I, I, I'll say like a acquired taste or something he's not my favorite but he, it, it, it doesn't bother me this week uh, track one I think uh, they needed to put some variety into track one. It's like they repeat it too much, you know, like, you know, expand on the motif a bit, like break up the monotony a bit, like let some of this breathe a bit. Uh, I don't know. And then Tonight Tonight, one of the principal melodies of that song is either a bad melody or they play it too much or both. So, like, I want to love that song because of the strings and the snare drum, but I I fucking don't jelly belly has something that i want to call the no-no tempo where you can't fucking dance to it like corgan says that people used to mosh at at, uh at pumpkin shows and maybe he's fucking true uh maybe uh, maybe maybe he's right but uh fucking this is why white people can't dance because we make songs in the no-no tempo (laughs) yeah Uh, Zero. I fucking love that song. I don't think I did at the time. I think I thought it was too new metal, but I fucking love it now. Actually, this week, what I did over and over and over and over was listen to Zero, Here Is No Why, and Bullet With a Butterfly Wings on repeat. Those songs are all fucking 10 out of 10. And that's why I'm gonna say that the Smashing Pumpkins aren't overrated because even if like uh you know there's there's a handful of songs that I think are 10 out of 10 they still made 10 out of 10 songs I, I like so fucking good for them they, they, they are fucking amazing uh but yeah I love Zero here is no here is no why is like a song that has like you know the, the 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 it's not it's not a hit um but like the the guitar playing is in- intricate and there's time changes and there's dynamics i fucking love the 90s for their dynamics it's like modern music is all like turn it all up uh for every moment of the song 90s is when you had peaks and valleys and like here is no why it's like the the fucking uh, solo like towards the end of it fucking 10 out of 10, like bring up the dynamic. I've just, I fucking feel that song. And uh, yeah, all like Bullet with a Butterfly Wings, all the like clean guitar and and distorted guitar, like the contrast between the two, 10 out of 10. Now to forgive immediately afterwards, I'm going to say has a four out of 10 verse and a nine out of 10 chorus. That's the thing about like a, a, a band that relies heavily on the verse chorus, verse chorus thing is you'll occasionally have, uh, a song which is half amazing. <laughs> oh, <damn. laughs> yeah, right. And then, uh, yeah, and then there's, you know, then there's some more songs you can't dance to. Uh, yeah, so like, uh, and then like songs like Galapagos that, like, yeah, this band tends to either be like, it makes songs that are like full, heavy, and like, you know, rock all the fucking time. You also have songs like Galapagos, which has, which use like, uh, the drummer uses hot rods or brushes or something, and it's like all quiet throughout the entire song. Uh, I think they do both well. Um, I don't know what I'm trying to say here. I don't know that this this album really gave me a nostalgia for the 90s. I remember going to uh, uh, cafes and like uh, like drinking coffee and, and listening to bands that played with hot rods and stuff as as I drank coffee and like I don't know there was there was something about music back then that was awesome. So uh, this is my favorite album of the week, and that's it
2: yeah music has definitely changed quite a bit over the years um one thing i think that they did a great job with the singles on this record because i think it showcases just how like musically varied this album is and there's there's definitely room for more like the song you were talking about to forgive i'm actually surprised that wasn't a single i think it would have done well for the band the chorus of that song was like stuck in my head for quite a bit of the week um so melancholy and infinite sadness which is the opening song on this album there are times when I would say, okay, this probably isn't the way to start the record off. It's a slow piano-driven instrumental. Rob said it goes on for too long. It like, does not enough change variation. I agree. Uh, and then I remember that the name of this album is Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness. So it's like, okay, yeah, I guess this is how you would start this. The melody is good. It kind of gives me flashbacks of uh, Coheed when they have their stupid ass melody that they always put <laughs> everywhere that I never want to hear. Yeah, I and know. I thought that they were going to use this melody more. Like when you, when you present a melody right in the beginning and then you have 30 more songs to listen, I thought it was kind of kind of be weaved in but it really isn't uh you do hear it at the end so this album ends with a song called uh farewell and good night now it ends with the piano that we had in the beginning and it actually i think it Even though it fades out, it doesn't fade like back in. It just starts right in the beginning. But I think it actually is cyclical. Like you can listen to this album on repeat and it would sound like it's kind of connecting. However, Farewell and Goodnight, okay, Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness, there's no song. It's just the piano. Like that is the song. There's no song that comes before it. However, Farewell and Goodnight has a song before it, before the piano outro. And it's like, I don't even need the song. Throw the song out. I don't want to fucking hear it. Just have the piano outro. And then that's how you conclude the record. But anyway, they're both crammed in the one. Uh, and the song is whatever I don't care about it but the piano is a nice touch to 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 bring everything back around uh, there's a song I hear called love and if you listen to that song listen to the melody right in the beginning it reminds me always of every breath you take by the Beatles by the Beatles by the police and uh, I am surprised that there, I've, I looked on YouTube to see if anyone had mashed it up uh, there isn't anybody could be gold there could not be i don't know but definitely whenever i hear it it's like okay yeah i'm hearing every breath you take uh 1979 i'm awarding eternal banger status as well i love that song the video is cool it has like over 200 million views uh somebody commented on that video they said this song could be released today and it would still be a hit it's timeless it's a great song i've that's another song by smashing pumpkins that i've never forgotten about uh 33 was a single i don't know if i've ever heard that song before uh I mean, I've listened to this record, so I've heard it, but like I've never paid attention to it. Uh, and um, I didn't realize like it was, they had a video, it was a hit. I don't know, people love the song. Someone's, there's a comment on that uh, video somewhere on a warm summer night. It's still 1996, and this song is playing. Uh, and then, um, so that's the song when I was saying that there's a couple Smashing Pumpkin songs that even when I had heard that song, if it's been on the radio, I mean, I used to listen to the radio all the time, so I've probably heard it a couple times, but. Now, this statement is almost impossible to say that due to the Corgan's voice, but it's very possible when I had heard that song, I didn't realize it was the Smashing Pumpkins, and I was confusing it with somebody else. It's one of the very few songs that when I listen to it at points, it's like, yeah, okay, maybe this isn't the Pumpkins, I don't know. Uh, regardless, it's a beautiful song, and the melody in that song is like legit infectious. Uh, and then, anyway, one more song before we, mo- I'm not going to talk about anymore, except for one more, there's a bunch we're not going to talk about. And then we'll move on. Uh, XYU. This is another one that I want to see live. It uh, has to be a hidden gem in their catalog. <laughs> Somebody commented on the song, this really sets the tone at dinner parties, uh, which I thought was a great comment. So anyway, yeah, there's tons of crazy shit going on here. This album is insanely ambitious. Again, if, if someone were to ask me to make a double album, I wouldn't even know where to start. Then when you hear something on this magnitude, it's like, where do you? Where did this guy even start? Like, There's so much stuff going on here. And I was saying, like, Okay, if we have 30 songs here, instead of just like taking 18 and throwing them away, right, and making a a complete banger 12 song album, uh like like what is the upside of that besides the variety in here? However, these motherfuckers already had 60 songs and they threw half of them away. So Yeah, this has to be uh, the the best, I guess, that they had to work with. And this album is it's so interesting to me because there's so much shit going on here. There's crazy. There's different musical styles. There's like slow shit that goes into fast shit. There's heavy stuff. It's like okay, singles on this album zero. It's it's a heavy song. Bullet with butterfly wings is kind of like in the middle, and then you have like 1979. All three of those songs are on the same album. So yeah, it's all over the place in a good way and there's tons of stuff to unpack i wouldn't be surprised if for most people this is their favorite album this is kind of like that peak for the smashing pumpkins uh is there anything else anyone wants to say about melancholy no, no. let's read some youtube comments first one says this is really astonishing how diverse uh the sound is from song to song and how unique each, each one is nobody sounds like the pumpkins next one says this was billy's dark side of the moon uh next one says still kicks ass in 2023 <laughs> Next comment. This is not music. This is a work of art. And lastly, the pumpkins are on fire around this time. My personal my personal favorite double album that includes the wall of physical graffiti and the white album. So, yeah, it's a banger. Uh, this is their peak, I believe. And uh, again, I just can't imagine even where to start to create something like this. Yeah, what do you know about fucking silverback gorillas? Bro. <laughs> Bro, that shit would tear you in half.
1: Yeah, uh. I, I treat silverback gorillas the ways. Like the same way I treat like retarded people. You don't look them in the <laughs> eye. You don't yeah. ever look them in the fucking eye. They will pummel you.
2: Yeah yeah thank
0: you billy corgan did fuck courtney love which is just like the safer version of a silverback gorilla oh, Jesus
2: there Christ. are t- she has she has moments of being kind of hot and then she has a billion more moments of not being hot at all so <laughs> i, I think, don't know i
1: think you need to go back to the optometrist
2: um... <laughs> if, you, if you if you look at like the celebrity skin era of hole she's kind of hot anyway I think,
1: I think you're retarded like i would you're
2: definitely right. hit that all right yeah are i'm, not, ready? Gonna, we're I'm not
1: gonna look you in the eye ever again <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. uh Okay, Adore is a 16 track record released in 1998, coming just over 73 minutes long. It's the band's fourth studio album, reaching number two on the U.S. To- Billboard 200 charts, and contains the singles Ava Adore and Perfect. After the multi platinum success of 1995's Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness and a subsequent year long world tour, Adore was considered one of the most anticipated albums of 1998. Recording proved to be a challenge as the band members struggled with lingering. Imp- uh, Interpersonal problems, musical uncertainty in the wake of three increasingly successful rock albums, and the part and the departure of drummer Jimmy Chamberlain. Billy Corgan will later characterize Adore uh, as a made by a as made by a band falling apart. This is the only album to be reco- to be recorded as a trio and their first not to feature an official drummer. Uh, the result was a much more subdued and electronica tinged sound that Greg Cott of Rolling Stone magazine called a complete break with the past. Adore divided the Smashing Pumpkins fan base and sold only a fraction of their previous two albums. However, similar to the band's other releases across the decade, Adore was clinically clinically was critically acclaimed and has retrospectively gained a cult following. Feeling the limitations of their guitar-driven hard rock sound, the Pumpkins had Uh, started to branch out during the making of Melancholy, and after the chart-topping success of their electronic-leaning 1979, they zeroed in on Electronica. As the sprawling and massively successful Infinite Sadness uh, world tour wound down, Corgan found himself facing many difficult issues, including musical burnout, the absence of Jimmy Chamberlain, the end of his marriage, and the death of his mother to cancer. During this period, two new singles were released on movie soundtracks, I, from 1997's Lost Highway, and The End is the Beginning, excuse me, The End is the Beginning is the End from 1997's Batman and Robin. Both songs incorporated electric elements, electronic elements, yet retained the hard rock elements of the band's previous material. One reviewer called the singles Balls Out Full Energy Chargers and wrote off the Pumpkin's previous remarks that the upcoming album would rock less. At 1998's 41st Annual Grammy Awards, Adore the Album, was nominated for Best Alternative Music Performance, but lost to whom Jomo.
1: Oh, God. Stop asking me these fucking
2: questions. <laughs> but lost to the Beastie Boys with Hello Nasty. Uh, Adore has been certified platinum. So this is the record that's going to start dividing fans. Uh, it's grown on me quite a bit this week. I do like it. Uh, I, I also need to spend more, even more time with it. Uh, it's a bit long for me. Song quantity and length. And there's a... Okay, apparently Darcy did a bunch of uh background vocals and then billy corgan pulled them all out and redid them all himself i want to hear a version of this album with her vocals put back into it i love that shit when you get the, the diversity of different uh you know uh people singing even though you know corgan's doing different things with his voice it's still i like the idea of having multiple people they do it later so anyway if those cuts still exist i'd like to hear what this sounds like so like people say like okay some this is a comment on i don't know one of the songs in here this album uh, had a tough act to follow melancholy is considered by most to be the quintessential pumpkins album i wasn't a big fan of the door when it released but over time it's grown on me quite a bit and i think that's going to be a lot of the i think a lot of people are going to have the same experience with it now get ready for absolute stupidity are we ready to be able to never unhear this Corgan uh. wrote on the band's website that the album's title was misunderstood in a joke that no one ever got, explaining that Adore was meant to be a play on a door, meaning the album would offer a new entrance to the band's career.
0: Ugh. Okay.
2: Ugh. <laughs> so Ugh. now every time I say Adore, I think of a door. It's ruined the 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 illusion is shattered. I, mm. I, so, I hate
1: Corgan even.
2: Though, <laughs> mm. So there's a song on here Adore which is the lead single. I don't give a shit what people think of this era of the band. I fucking love the song. The video is amazing. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. It's awesome. A lot of people say it's like the best music video ever made. It's there. No, there, there was no uh, expense saved on that, or whatever people say. The, the money was thrown at that video, and it, and it shows. They spared uh, even if people, no
1: expense.
2: They, they spared no expense. Yeah, we're making that video. That's it's like almost like a Michael Jackson video. It's crazy. Uh, even if people hate this record, okay. It deserves to exist just as a vessel for that song. I think that song is awesome. Uh, So right after that is Perfect, which is the other single. So in the music video, Billy Corgan is wearing a cowboy hat, which I meant to tag Jomo in because I was going to say, yo, is this confirmation of Ram Ranch 2 happening? And it's very possible. uh, this This is the rabbit hole that I go down. And I don't to think of it as the song perfect. I don't even care about that song. It's not even like it's bad. It's just bland as shit. It bores me really like more than anything. Cause after that song, you have a song called Daphne descends, which is one of my favorite songs on the record, really smashing pumpkins. Uh, it's one that I would like to see live with like crazy stage light show going on. And um, like, if we think about okay, a song that should have been a single on here instead of perfect, like I don't think perfect pushed this record because for one, I don't think it fits into a lot of the other things that are going on here, and I just don't think it's all that good. But like Daphne, I think that could have been a single, at, like instead of perfect, and I think it could have done a lot more uh, for this uh, for this record at the time. Uh, Rob, what do you think of Adore? door?
0: Yeah, Daphne descends is my favorite Smashing Pumpkins song. Period. I like oh, so shit. like th- this is um um so like th- this is th- like. I've been I've been talking as if like, you know, back in the day, I hated the Smashing Pumpkins like I didn't really like uh, in, in, in like 1979 was like the only song that I liked on the last album. But like I, I bought this album at some point and this was my fucking album. And because to me, this is more of like a nighttime album that way it's like more Bjork and less uh, fucking whatever uh, but yeah like I, I don't know how many times in my life I have listened to Daphne Descends on repeat like listen to it for an hour a lot of those are drunk memories just like you know being up wait, wait, late at night fucking getting drunk listening to that song over and over and I think also studying like but yeah I fucking love that song and that song is simple but it's perfect like there's nothing missing just despite how simple it is it's fucking perfect and like I get by highs like all the fucking time listening to that song but yeah it's like Tashila, fucking beautiful uh i adore fucking love it Daphne descends fucking perfect despite its simplicity um and you know like maybe maybe tear i like also like the the electronic drums kind of bother me but yeah what do you do when your fucking drummer is uh addicted to drugs and stuff um so i think this album kind of runs out of gas fast but like i i like this is the album that like i've listened to a lot in my life uh it's it's like a sad like depressing album I put on at night, and I just like dream and I feel a lot of things. So I think it's I think it's a fucking good album in that way. But you know, it's uh, I I have to give it fourth for the week just because I gave away every other position to every other album. I this album is fucking good and it's fucking sad that like critics or you know pe people thought this album was fucking awful. But it's just kind of like a, a different it's it's different than the last couple but that doesn't make it bad it's just like you know this is their nighttime album so yeah. that's it
2: yeah there's there's a bunch of like synthesizers and stuff going on in this record there's a song apples and oranges i don't know why they spelled it the way they did uh and then pug those are two of the, like the more synthesizer techno songs in the record and i think the idea is cool like having a obviously they're using this to their advantage because they don't have a drummer at the time even though they would get someone to come in the studio like the tale of dusty and pistol pete the drums in that song are awesome. I'm going to assume they were done by a human, but when you listen to like apples and oranges and pug, uh, the the design of it is cool where you have an electronic drum, but you have kind of a, a version of the smashing pumpkins on top of it. And there's a couple songs in here that I got lost in for quite a while. Like once upon a time I get lost in that song. I think it's like really soothing. And there's a song all the way down the track list called shame that I could listen to an hour long version of that song and not get bored of it. I would just turn the lights out and vibe to it. um, and then, so yeah, this album starts with a song called "Tushila," which I think is a great song. I don't know if it should have kicked the record off. The, the Smashing Pumpkins kind of they they some of their choices of the opening song on an album. I'm like, even though the song is good, it's like you got it has to pop right away, right? I'm not saying go full Seven Nation Army, but like it, you gotta you gotta pop it in some way. Which I think "Tushila" is like is again, I, I like the th- song, I think it's good, but maybe you could put it somewhere else. Like "Ava Door" could have just opened the album. Uh, right there they could have just made second track beat track one and i think it would have popped a little differently than it did Jomo, what do you think of this record
1: um you know uh what, what's the best way to put this um i'm not sure what this is but it's not music um <laughs> it, to me the song ava door it sounds like uh some shit that you play as a gangbang soundtrack that was left out of the matrix i don't like oh, yeah. it yeah i can see that um, you could tell I can visualize it. I'm there. I'm actually yeah. there. Um, it, it's like you, you've a, done it, bro. Like I call mouth. Um, it's <laughs> it's it's like this is what this ma- album makes me feel. This album makes me feel like I'm praying for an alternate universe where mm-hmm. Kurt Cobain lives. And Courtney Love kills Billy Corgan. (laughs) Uh, This album is so bad. I swear Yoko Ono just like hijacked it and flew it into the (laughs) World Trade Center, bro. It's fucking terrible. It's almost as terrible as Ashes Divide, which is a shitty fucking band too. This album sucks. Um, Courtney can do a lot better. It'd be one out of ten for me. Um, Yeah, Everlasting Gaze is a song written... Uh, and produced in The Matrix strictly by Keanu Reeves. Uh, I I have no (laughs) words left for Billy Corgan, and it gets exponentially worse when we talk about the next album. Thank you.
0: Nice.
2: It's it's crazy, though, to have all this shit happening in your life and create anything that's even halfway decent, though. It's like, you know, he's getting divorced, his mom's dead, he's burned out, uh, he has writer's block again or whatever, and his, like, best friend, who is the drummer, is gone. So, yeah, I mean, turning out anything, that isn't absolute fucking garbage it has to be a win uh that being said i don't think this album is garbage uh so crestfallen was the song that i was listening to where um i love this song first of all and i thought at one point that it was actually darcy in the background in that but it wasn't someone said it was her at one point she spent a lot of time recording vocals for a door and then billy just edited over them with his what an asshole um but yeah i do i do want to hear the version at least that song with her in it uh, there's a song tear which the string melody in that song is the chorus of the song love from melancholy it's at least very close if it isn't uh, oh and and Cor- billy corgan sounds like tom york in that song and of course i have an eternal boner for him uh so i think that song could have been a single i think it would have represented this album well like having like a, a um like ava adore be a single it's like yeah is is it the best song on the album yeah possibly but it's like not a lot of the like rest of the record doesn't sound like that so one of the things we were talking about with i was talking about with some other bands there's a difference between like a lead single and just whoring the whole album out i'm all about whoring out albums every make every song a single put all the the single mothers through college at the strip club just like make that you know money rain but there's a difference between like like i brought up with the use like bait and switching people like with cry and then having an album that has nothing to do with that rather than uh, making a record where you have the lead singles be very reminiscent of like what the album is you know the the central focus and then you just whore the whole thing out afterwards because at, at that point people are if they weren't going to buy it they're not going to buy it now or you can kind of bring them in with some of the other ones but at least you're not being like mistruthful or untruthful about what Mist you're actually truthful. selling okay mistruthful untruthful whatever uh anyway somebody commented on here they said uh this song is amazing but the live version is even more incredible i believe it's on one of their releases i can't remember the name of it And then the song Annie Dog is the last one I'm gonna talk about. So, oh, if people don't like the electronic parts of the album, uh, and they're into like the slower, uh, the 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 slower pumpkin stuff, that might be the song to kind of pull them into this. Uh, It's kind of hard to when people had before this heard melancholy, and now you're you're, like the whole album. A lot of it is electronic drums, is electronic fucking shit going on all over the place. It could scare people off. So that is a song that you could kind of pull people in, probably a little easier than some of the other ones. Anyway, there's a bunch more songs on here. Also, there's a song on here called 17 that's track 16. Anyway, uh, let's read a couple of YouTube comments and we'll move on. This first one says, This whole album is criminally underrated. It, it really, really benefits from multiple serious listenings. I'm going to say that I do also believe this album is very underrated. Uh, next one says, One of the Pumpkins Best. Next one says, Billy had just had a way of making you drift away. Uh, next comment, the reason this is amazing is because it went against the grain of what fans expected of Billy, and lastly, sad and brutal. Is there anything that anyone wants to say about a door before we move on? No. Oh. A door. Okay, let me drop the artwork. Okay, Autumn, a rock opera in three acts, and yes, this is this, album is called autumn it's pronounced like the season as uh, a 33 track triple record released in 2022 and 2023 coming in just over 138 minutes long it's the band's 12th studio album and contains the singles beguiled spellbinding and empires autumn uh autumn pronounced the same as the as uh The season will be released in three separate installments of 11 songs releasing 11 weeks after each other act one was released on november 15th 2022 act two was released on january 31st 2023 and act three will be released on may 5th 2023 a physical box set consisting of all 33 songs along with 10 additional exclusive songs uh, which will be spread across five seven inch singles is also scheduled for release in 2023. Billy Corgan first announced uh, his plans to release a sequel concept album to 1995's Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness and 2000's Machina, the Machines of God in October, 2020 shortly prior to the release of their 11th studio album Sear in November, 2020 Corgan had wanted to do it as early as 2017 or 2018, but with everything going on with the band at the time, including guitarist James Eha being back for the first time in 18 years, plotting a large tour around three quarters of the original band being back together again, he insisted, excuse me, he instead opted on the less ambitious eight song album, 2018's shiny and the, and the, shiny and oh so bright autumn is a concept album that corgan describes as a sequel to the band's melancholy and the infinite sadness and machina the machines of god it tells the story of the same character followed in the prior two albums zero and glass respectively with the character now being much older than portrayed in the previous albums uh, and now known as Shiny. Similar to the prior records, the story is described by Corgan as having one foot in reality and one foot in a made-up world. It's based on a lot of autobiographical things, but there's lots of things that I'm interested in exploring that don't necessarily have anything to do with me. Contrary to Sears' electronic and guitar-light sound, Corgan described Autumn as more guitar-driven in its sound. He described the sound as going into a million different directions, noting that around a third of the album is heavy, a third of it sounds kind of uh, more similar to the band to what the band has been doing recently, and a third of it sounds more esoteric (laughs) in advancing the concept uh, and musical aspects. Esoteric? Whatever. Uh, Autumn was recorded over the span of two years, some of it concurrently with 2020's Seer. Rob, what do you think of Autumn?
0: So I'm... Amazed that he thought it was like more guitar driven or something because to me like the cheesy guitar the the cheesy keyboards like punched me in the face from like the first like fucking note of this album <laughs> yeah and uh i like I was fucking flabbergasted and i didn't know what to think of this album or uh, i didn't know what to think of this album um If I had to guess what the influences are, I'd say maybe David Bowie, ABBA, the Mary Poppins soundtrack, (laughs) Um, and hooray, I'm hearing like Seaside Rendezvous by Queen, Electro Swing, this album's fucking weird. I'm gonna say it's a nice change of pace. Like I don't know. Like I think this is still Pumpkins. It still like feels like Pumpkins, but almost it doesn't. It almost feels like a different band. It's just there's, there's like, he's like happy and he's like singing like uh, I don't know. I I didn't know if I was like listening to a musical or something. Um, So, and, but yeah, I mean, I put this album on more than I thought I was going to, I was like kind of dancing in my car to it because it has this like fucking pop, uh, electronic something or other. I don't know if this is actually good music. I just know that I had a good fucking time listening to this album and like considering how like, you know, they, they, they did this fucking thing in the nineties, which is very nineties. And I love it for what it is. uh, And then I didn't know what they were going to be doing today. And if it feels to me, it feels good that they are doing something different today. So I'm going to give them second place for, for fucking fun. Uh, Yeah. I I enjoyed this one. I was surprised by this one. And to me, it was a, a good, healthy surprise. That's it
2: so okay this record is again going to divide the fan base Hmm. so i i haven't heard some of the other records that i brought up here uh but i know they've constantly been dividing the fan base which is fine whatever they can do whatever they want doesn't really matter however i do see a lot of positivity towards this album uh there's a bit of negativity as well but most people are pretty positive about it uh i get that this is a different era of the pumpkins and i don't hate them for making this uh, I am going to say I'm happy I don't really have any stake in the Smashing Pumpkins because um, I don't know where I'm falling with this. Most people say that Act 2 is better than Act 1, and I listen primarily to Act 2, so those are the ones I'm going to kind of talk about. So people said this is going to be, obviously this is done in three parts, it's going to be like a three-act thing. So Act 1 is the come up, Act 2 is the peak, and then Act 3 is the come down. Uh, one of the songs on Part 1, though, is called Butterfly Sweet. And the vocals in that song legitimately sound like a leprechaun singing a limerick. Just play that, and like I'm like I can't take this serious. (laughs) I don't know. So like that song is out for me. And when I hear a song like that, I just I want to see. I almost want to see like a documentary on the making of this record because I want to understand how these songs are composed. Mm. Um, But then there's a song after that called like "The Good and Goodbye," which is closer to the music that I think people would expect from the Smashing Pumpkins. I was waiting for some lead guitar playing, uh, and it's there. There's a there's a good solo in it, and the tone sounds fucking good. Uh, but then when we so when we get to to part two or act two, there are songs. Okay, so one of the ones I want to talk about the style of this album because I'm trying not to hate on it, even though I roll my eyes a bunch when I watch it when I listen to this. Like Avalanche, right? The song is like really poppy. It's like this feel good song of the year, and normally I would hate it. I would be like, yo, this is garbage. Yeah, it, it would turn the shit off if it was on the radio however i'm trying to kind of lean into the curve here and it's like i'm okay so maybe i would be like i'm throwing this out i don't care about it but this is what the record is so i'm going to i'm not going to be like jomo and just <laughs> hate my life <laughs> yeah, hate my right. life and, and die of a heart attack at, at age like 41 I'm i mean i'm going to die of a heart attack at age, <laughs> yeah, but not from the same things but then there's like a song uh, called like Empires, which is the second song, which I, I'm like, okay, I like what's going on here. I'm getting the idea. It could be heavier. Not surprised that it was a single. But when I hear a song like Empires, I'm just thinking like, what is the future of this record, right? Are they going to, what? Like, are, are they going to whore everything out as well? That's what I would do. There's 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 a song on here, Beguiled, which is, there's a music video for it. Now this music video was scientifically designed to go viral. Just watch it, you'll know in one second. I'm pretty sure it was done in one take, either that or they did the fake fucking uh so there's okay picture you looking at a wall there's a wall on the right hand side a wall on the left hand side and it's like a moving billboard right so shit is going it's constantly moving on the walls uh and then there's people like dancing down the middle doing random shit and then they go out to the back and they dance down again and i'm pretty sure it's done in one take uh, or the, the, the uh, billboards on the side are just green screens and they're cutting it. I don't know. It looks like it's real. I want to believe it's real. But then again, I mean, they're so far like... There, there's ai women you would never even know that like they're not real so i can be tricked very easily but when i watch it at least that's the intent to make it seem like a video that has no cuts in it avador i believe also had no cuts in it at least they it looked like it did again they're smarter than me so i don't fucking know anyway just watch the video for beguiled it's signed it was made by the idea was a bunch of 60 year old guys in a boardroom uh who scientifically created this to make a viral video there's, okay, the, the guitar riff in Beguiled is boring as shit, and they play it a million times. And when they come out to play guitar in the video, like they look like they're having a great time, and it's like, bro, that riff is boring as shit. There's no way you are having a fun time playing that, nice. especially over and over and over again. They play it nice. legitimately a million times. Uh, however, that being said, it still could be the best song on the record, and I think I love the chorus and the vocals in it. There's a reason that that was the lead single the one that they picked they made this big extravagant video of it but anyway i will say just listen to the guitar riff it's boring as balls and uh yeah when i see them it's like bro you're not having fun fucking playing that so but this record even though i'm saying there is a bunch of positivity there's quite a bit of negativity as well people want the old smashing pumpkins back now there's an album by the smashing pumpkins called zeitgeist i've never listened to the record like the whole thing but there's a there's a single on that album called tarantula which is one of my favorite songs by the pumpkins it's just a great rock song and th- that's the people that's the stuff that these people want back they don't want the electronic stuff uh, they want them to go back to the 90s obviously like a lot of these people grew up with it that's what they want again you created something in the 90s it's, it's a ball and chain that will be fucking tied around your leg forever that you have to drag around with you uh, but the third song on this on this album this was the comment someone said I think fans should start pretending to love this drivel so maybe he'd go back to making guitar music) <laughs> <laughs> Billy's bent on uh, resurrecting new wave sound over the past decade, and it's been hit or miss. Oceana, which is a 2012 album, I believe, uh, was really good. Mostly everything after that has been a subpar album filler for the Pumpkins. Not, uh, not all is terrible, but Billy's capable of so much more. So there's definitely people who were fans 20 years ago or 30 years ago that want them to go back to that. And they're not a fan of this, but there seems to be also a lot of people that are pretty supportive of it as well. I'm trying to be supportive of it, even though, like I said, I'm rolling my eyes. There's a song in here called Moss, and this song gets clowned on. Go listen to this song on YouTube and look at the comments section. There's a part where this background singer is doing, like, cat meows. And <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't even notice that that's what they were doing until I was reading the comments. Everyone's, like, like making, like, cat memes in there and i was like what the fuck are these people doing and then once you realize that the people are making cat meows in the song it's like okay so anyway they're clowning on it i don't know if it's good i don't know but like i'm trying not to be like yeah this record is fucking boring as shit and i don't know like there's a lot of things happening here where it's like they're almost there right like night waves if you listen to that song it sounds like a techno song but like you need to drop the bass it it, it's it's like the idea is there but the actual like real world execution of it is not because if somebody else made that song like to be played in a club it would blow your fucking speakers out and it doesn't in that song so again like they're they're making some things that are hint i get what they're hinting at but it's like you gotta go all the way you you gotta go balls deep on this thing uh jomo what do you (laughs) hate this album
1: Bro, um, I'm confused by this album and what exactly it's trying to be. Um, I've been disappointed in my life uh, many times. But this is unexpected and very undeserving. Um, Mm. Usually, I am my own worst enemy. And I I, I feel like I have to place blame on Rob Fortune for making me Mm -hmm. listen to this dog shit. Why would you (laughs) even put this piece of shit of a record on shelves? For people to listen to. Um, mm. I don't like it. Is this trying to be like the soundtrack to Stranger Things. Or a giant pile of shit. You know. Mm. Um, I, I, yeah. I can't tell the difference. And mm. now. I, I'm going to banish Billy Corgan. To being unlistenable. And vacuous. <laughs> um, I'd rather be the victim of a hate crime. Than listen to this shit. Um, Billy Corgan. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you go from Siamese dream. And melancholy. To. This is what happens when you have too much money and <laughs> you think of yourself, like, in such a high regard. Um, mm-hmm. he, he needs to be knocked down a, a peg or two, and I, I hate that—I just—I don't like him. I don't mm-hmm. like him. Thank you.
2: So, Billy Corgan is known to be a dickhead. There's tons of videos online of people talking about it. However, if you watch the Rogan interview— Uh, Billy Corgan, I don't believe is the same person he was a long time ago. He's probably still an asshole to people, but he was saying how, you know, uh, when everything was riding high, he's like, okay, I know exactly what I'm doing. And then he would make, uh, I'm not going to say wrong decisions, but decisions that did not lead to some of the albums selling well and he was saying like okay picture you you make decisions in 93 and 95 and like you're on top of the world in in the rock world in the music world and then you start making you know just continuing to to go and you think you know everything and then it's misfiring and you're not getting where you want to go or where you think things should go uh so i think he has been humbled to a point uh darcy is not back in the band she's the only member who is not here she says she's never coming back i know she had a drug issue at some point i don't know if she still does there's constant going back and forth of whether uh she's like allowed to come back or not i don't know um but i don't know when i when i see uh billy corrigan talking to joe rogan i don't think he's a straight up dick dinger anymore i think he's he's aged he's he's been Kicked down like Jomo said he needs to be kicked down a couple pegs he already has been uh like no one i don't think anyone's cared about anything a lot of things that the pumpkins have done over the tw- the last 20 years now obviously like they're super fans will and everything but i haven't listened i haven't heard well i heard like tarantula which was great they also did zwan uh which is an album that uh by like a side project of the the, the band what's up
1: it's a band not a yeah not an album.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't remember what the name of the record was, but that was their side project. It was Jimmy Chamberlain and uh uh Billy Corgan, and that record is pretty good, too. But anyway, to get here, uh, I don't know, they're gonna divide the bass even more, and that's fine because they will be bringing new fans in as well. So like when I hear a song like Space Age, I like, okay, I like the vibe and the atmosphere. The singing is like what takes me out of it, so it's like either adjust it or just remove it in general um and then I don't know like this this album uh ends with um. A song called spring times and there's a comment on that that says thank you for automact one and two they are timeless masterful works hmm. so you know it goes back to the whole thing of melancholy it, even if you don't like the music or it's not your thing just the creation of this is massive this is even bigger than melancholy this is this is three records and we haven't even heard the last one yet but it's it's a huge undertaking. I don't know. When I hear some of it, I have to roll my eyes because it's like if yeah, if like a hottie rolled by me in traffic and I'm listening to this, am I gonna be fucking embarrassed? Yeah, oh, like- yeah. Yeah, yeah, probably. Am I gonna be as embarrassed as the last Lincoln Park album? No, but am I gonna be uh embarrassed to instead of like listening to Pantera? Yeah, definitely. So whatever. Um there's a song on here every morning that like okay i'm not trying to hate a bunch on this album but like that that song every morning it makes me want to like shoot every copy of this that exists like, (laughs) like into the sun like the song has no fucking balls dude it's like when i'm listening to it it's like bro you've made albums before so like how does this song have no fucking balls at all so i don't know like i don't hate it i would listen to it but like I don't know. It, it's weird. It, it, you know, this took 20 years to get here. So we're listening to like 95 or 93, 95, 98 in 2023. So there's all the shit in the middle, the ups and downs that have gotten the band to this place. So th- there's obviously like a huge chunk of stuff missing for us. Uh, when I go out of my way to listen to this, no. However, on Friday, I will listen to part three when it comes out. Uh, it's kind of exciting that you got to get to listen to something that's happening right now, you know? Yeah. Uh, because I'm out of loop and everything, and like Becca's the one who knows everything. So, of all new releases, and I don't know shit. So, anyway, let's read a couple YouTube comments. First one says, I've been a fan since '91 at 13. Now I'm 44 and still love this band. Yo, this guy's a tryhard. This dude goes to parties. He's like, yeah, I've been a fan since I was 13. Nice. In '91. 90, he, he,
1: he's a guy who's like, should have shaved his head like a long time ago. And yeah. he, he's <laughs> yeah. just wearing hats now, and you're just like, hey. bro. <laughs> Hey, that's
2: me. That's me. I, I've been a fan since, uh, since 91. Uh, next one, says, I'm glad this is pumpkins are still going strong. Uh, debatable. Uh, next one says I can't get enough of this. Next one says this is the pumpkins I remember. This person this is also 12 years old. The past few albums really bummed me out. And lastly, I love how their music never loses that 90s vibe. Well, it loses the 90s balls at points. Uh, so is there anything else anyone wants to say about Autumn?
1: No, oh. Disappointment.
2: It's like Jomo to his dad, a disappointment. Ah,
1: uh, uh, yeah, sure.
2: <laughs> no, nah, I'm, just, I'm just joking. Jomo nah, doesn't know his dad. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, I do. Um, oh, you do? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I know. Trust me. Yeah, my parents a, It's a long story. All right. right. yeah, I had to go hard on that one. Yeah, okay, yeah. so if <laughs> you, you, you want to hear... You're
1: mad because I'm talking about your hairline.
2: <laughs> Bro, hey. That's a personal attack. All right, so if, if you're big into... Well, that's the thing. I could just shave my head and move on. It really doesn't matter. Uh, so if, you're, if you want to hear more of the Smashing Pumpkins, they had Gish in 91, which is their debut. They had Machina, uh, the Machines of God in 2000. Machina 2, the Friends and Enemies of Modern Music, also in 2000. They had Zeitgeist in 2007. At least check out the song Tarantula. I love the song. Uh, Oceania. Oceania in 2012. Monuments to, a, to an Elegy? I don't know what that is in 2014 and a uh, shiny and also bright volume one in 2018 and then seer in 2020. So there's tons of shit you can go check out. Uh, but yeah, autumn's the one that's uh, kind of happening right now. The part three comes out on Friday, May 5th. Anything anyone else wants to say about smashing pumpkins before we get the fuck out of here? The
1: oh. co- the code word is Meganium Meganium.
2: Hmm. What? <laughs>
1: <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So we're, let's talk about what we're going to do next week.
2: Next week we're doing Chevelle. Oh yeah, this was this was Jumbo's pick. Yeah. Uh, so we're doing point one from 19, point number one from nineteen ninety nine. Wonder what's next from 2002. And this type of thinking could do us in uh, from two thousand and four. Uh, I've been wanting to listen to Chevelle, so yeah, good pick.
1: Too bad they're named after yeah. a ter- terrible car, but all right. Well, ooh, well, I mean,
2: okay. <laughs> all right, we'll t- we'll see you next. <laughs> Jumbo's been a fan since ninety one.